I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Listening to Acton Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Acton Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Huge welcome, dear listeners. Welcome to another edition of Acton Millwall. Um, let it not be said that we don't push the technological boundaries on this show. This, this is being brought to you by the miracle that is Zoom. Um, apparently it's all the rage out there. So I'm joined on this Zoom meeting by my two compadres, Michael Avery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Good evening, Nick. Evening, Mike. Evening, listeners. Hope everyone's safe, secure and uh, healthy. Crystal clear. And a big crystal clear welcome to Mike Hayden. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you very much, Nick. Hello, listeners. Now, we, the, the premise of this show, listeners, is, is, is actually primarily to test out Zoom because I've never used Zoom before, so I feel like I'm... I'm joining 2020 into quarantine um, zone of 2020. Um, so I'm interested to know what you think, if it's, if it's clear for you out there in, in the internet world. Um, but I, I set the, the chaps the, um, the task of watching or actually selecting some uh, YouTube games from the 1970s back in the, the dinosaur era when I first started going to Millwall because um, there are some very interesting um, features on, on YouTube. Um, and each, uh, Mike and Michael both selected games from the 1970s, and I've also selected my choice. Um, so we, just, to, just to be up front before we start, as a declaration of interest, I've, I've gone for um, a very strange little uh, film um, from 1971, and it is a film. Um, it's Mill 2, Carlisle 1, though you wouldn't know it from watching the footage. It's, it's British Pathé um, newsreel footage. Um, Michael has gone for a classic Everton nil mill two Michael that's a good choice mate yeah thank you very much I thought I thought I'd give that one a go um it was it was basically after um, the unfortunate timing of of Alf Wood uh where uh I was talking to Catherine from the supporters club she asked me if I wanted to put something something together for for his uh his career and how it was and I was just captivated by how sort of good a player he was um from the stats and then obviously talking to you about it as well, Nick. And then ironically, um, my dad sent me the link to that game because he'd read 
both of our reviews and I watched the video and I thought, well, that's definitely the one I want to do. Fabulous. So great choice. That's from 1973, Everton 0-0 2. And Mike, your choice is another great choice. I was actually at this game. Um, November 1976, 0-4, Luton Town 2. Good, good call, Mike. Have you, have you seen any of this yeah. stuff before, Mike, when you're... Uh, now and then I think over the years there's been so much more content actually put onto YouTube um, certainly a few years ago you would never find out <laughs> see anything like this but this wasn't really a sentimental choice like Michael this I literally typed Millwall 1970s into YouTube this game <laughs> seems to have a few goals <laughs> so I watched it and it, it looked like an absolutely cracking game anyway uh, it was get on to. It was, it was. November 1976, I was, um, I just turned 16 at the time and I was, I was at this game um, and clearly there was, there was TV footage because the big match were in town that day. But let's, um, the, the premise of the, of the show, listeners, is I'm just interested to hear what both Mike and Michael make of this ancient uh, footage because to me, um, I mean, I started going in 1972, um, April 72, which was just one year after this odd British Pathé newsreel um, film that um, is, is, um, is the first of our, our three choices today. Um, my first, I mean, I suppose my first thought on this, I don't know if you've watched it, um, boys, but it's, it's, in, it's yeah. silent. And I, 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 it's very odd to watch a game with no sound. I don't know. I don't know what you made of that. It's, it has an eerie quality. I found. Yeah, I found it strange as well as it kind of focuses on the crowd very often. Yeah, which you don't see a Millwall crowd that quiet uh, usually. So yeah, it was an interesting piece. Um, I never thought a game involving Millwall and Carlisle would be so artistic. If I'm honest. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I mean, it raises. I mean, I don't know why they've gone there and done this because it's it's actually mm. shot on film. Uh, this is 1971, um, so I, I mean, obviously the television news existed, but I think a lot of the outdoors uh, broadcasts back then were filmed, and maybe this was one of the last gasps of, of, of that kind of era of TV news. But for some reason, British Pathé, <clears throat> who were a major uh, cinema newsreel company back in the days when cinema was the dominant um, medium of entertainment, they've sent a cameraman along to, to Colbro Lane with his handheld camera movie camera shot on um it's pretty good quality film but it has that kind of 1970s slightly washed out look it's a sunny day it's it's clearly a warm day in april of, of 71 um some fascinating crowd shots i don't know if you had a chance to look at it michael but some of the crowd shots and some of the the hairstyles and the, um, the gear is 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 wonderful well, um, I'm, I'm actually, um, I watched a bit of it earlier on and I'm actually watching it now as we speak um, yeah. to sort of um, which might spark a few uh, memories from an earlier viewing. And uh, I think this is the closest Millwall will ever get to Real Madrid, but I'm not sure if any of the listeners remember the Zidane documentary from a few years ago right. where they just followed Zinedine Zidane. It was like a sort of a Spanish Sky TV player cam, if you will. Um, and um, basically they just followed Zidane all over the pitch and sort of they had um, quotes from players and it was dubbed over what he was doing with the ball, etc, etc. And the way this is filmed is very similar and they're focusing on the players. But alternatively, I mean, it's just occurred to me that with the police line in the tunnel, this could have actually been a 1970s body cam film (laughs) where no one got arrested, (laughs) so they just used the footage. (laughs) It's it's weird. I mean, it's it's shot from um, pitch side level, um, so it's movie movie footage really. Uh, although it's very roughly edited, so 
it does um you know you do cut to kind of blurry screens and back to back to the action um a couple of moments of, of um, there's, a, there's a i think um there's a save at the, at the carlisle end so it's far away from where the camera's located um but it's more it's more focused on the crowd it's a very odd piece it's i'd recommend everyone to have a look at it just for its um curiosity value and also it gives you a great sense of what the old ground looked like and felt like um doesn't tell you what it sounded like because it's silent but um some wonderful shots i mean did you see yeah, the, the yeah. commissionaire at the players I was <laughs> well, well i was, I was going to say funny thing you said about the um the the, the sort of scenery of the, of the den there nick i mean like i've um we, we were talking before um I, i've been to the to the old den it not not anywhere near as much memories as I as I have at the new place because obviously wasn't really old enough to take it all in. But you see the old photos and the old sort of like uh, sort of developed ones from Boots. But I think that to a point, the old den does look different to the photos. If you catch my drift, like you were saying, the way it's filmed, I'm not sure whether it's because it's a clearer, clearer sort of film reel than you've got from like the big match and other productions. But it, it, the den certainly does look different. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously film, so the, the images are clearer than the, the two games. I mean, the, the Everton games at Goodison, but um, the quality of the video from those times is, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, we're now in the, the HD age, and that wasn't HD at all. Um, so, you, you, and also, you, you've got shots in both games, Everton and, and the Luton game, where you're looking down from a, a high point onto the pitch, whereas this is, this is down at, um, quite literally, at pitch side level. So you get the backs of people's heads. It's it's very. It almost has a mobile phone quality in 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 mm. some ways, which you don't you don't see much um, in film because it's generally cut to take that kind of side side of things out. Um, it's as I say, the action is, is difficult to follow. I had to look up the score, um, which was two one, and I'm going by the style of kit because that's a round neck white shirt or white kit, um, nineteen seventy one. Because um, we played Carlisle in the October again of '71, uh, that being the following season, um, that was also two-one. But I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this was the April game. Just looking at the, um, it appears to be a warm day. There's blokes in vests in the crowd, and there's one bloke's got his shirt undone completely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's of its, of its time. Um, I, I found it, I found it um, wonderful viewing because there's the other thing also just to know. I don't know if you, um, any of your chaps put it out. There's there's a kind of a yellow, um, small railing on top of the um, the brick wall that surrounds the pitch. Did you see that by any chance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that when when uh, Norman Burtonshaw, the referee, was was um, yeah. attacked in the sixties. <laughs> Um, the, the the club as part of their response to the FA said they've put up fences around the um, the den to you know to preserve the safety of match officials and players. But the the yellow railing was was the club part of the club's um, response to the uh, the uh, the referee assault in the sixties. So I don't think it did much to really stop anyone. <laughs> it just brought another six inches on top of the, the brick wall. Um, it but just it just gave him a higher platform to jump. From. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the playing action is dreamlike. I mean, there, there are players in there like Alan Dorney, Doug Alder. Um, I think there's a, a couple of shots of some. I mean, Brian King. There's also another little clip on YouTube. There's there's a six and a half minute um, stretch of this um, YouTube footage. I'm going to put links to all of this in the show notes when I send it out, uh, listeners. But there's also another about a minute and a bit, a uh, 56 seconds, a second um, clip from the same film. Of the players lead, leaving the pitch at the at the end of the game, um, which is also worth a look because um, you get some very close up moving shots of players of 
uh, years gone past and you don't often get that you see stills of them you get some i'm just looking at it now as people in the crowd some came very well dressed in suits and, and wraparound shades looking like they've just fallen out of um you know kind of like a 60s coffee bar and and others i just come off of emmerdale farm so um it's wonderful wonderful viewing i recommend it to anyone really um british Pathway. i had a I had a bit of a moment earlier when I was watching this for the first time where I thought I saw my dad in the ground. He, he would have definitely been there. Right. I was remembering my dad of what he looks like now, sort of a bold, middle-aged man, <laughs> and realising <laughs> that at the time of this, was, he would have been 17. So I, I saw, kind of reminded myself of that quite quickly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's odd. I mean, I, I wouldn't have been at this game because I was too young. I was, I was, I was yet, to, uh, yet to start going to the den. But... Um, it's very, very familiar. So um, and they've even had a guy with a clip, a clapperboard. They've sent a team of cameramen. We've got one guy with like a clip, a clapperboard to, um, you know, set the scene. So it's very strange. Um, Mill versus Carlisle, British Pathé News. It's on YouTube, and I'll send a link out when we do the show notes. But we're going to move along in this show because um, our next one is a, is a classic game. Your choice, Michael. Everton nil. Millwall 2, February 1973. Um, I did some show notes, which I'll read out. I mean, the, the video is very wobbly, and yet I find this a compelling game to watch. It's um, It's got raw 1970s football written right down the middle of it, isn't it? It's like a stick of rock. This is, this is the real deal from the 70s. The, the pitch looks like the Somme. Mm. Tackles fly in. And, 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 um, and, and about sort of two, three seconds into the video after the... Uh after sort of big match introduction, there's a goal kick where uh, I think, I believe it's the Everton keeper kicks it and it just drops stone dead into like a puddle in the Somme that is Goodison Park. So um, as you were saying, Nick, and then, and then there's, and then, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm watching these along as, as we're talking about them and uh, we've just seen the sort of the, the Brian King double save, which was, what which keeper was unbelievable. He was. What keeper he was. Yeah. It's, it's great to see this because, in, in my mind, all my life, until the advent of YouTube, I always said Brian King was our greatest goalkeeper ever. Um, and to see it, when, when it brings to life these these um, these players, and it's well worth a look because, he, I mean, he he was an, a goalkeeper in an era where England, um, I mean, England national side, were very well blessed with great goalkeepers. I mean, he was, he was up against the likes of Gordon Banks, um, the young Peter Shilton. Peter Bonetti, um, and there, there were others, Phil Parks, and, 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 and some great, great goalkeepers. And, and, but King was a contender um, for the big time and probably should have played at a higher level. But you, you get a glimpse of that in this, in this footage because he keeps us in the it's game. A, yeah, it says in the commentary as well, um, definitely the best goalkeeper outside of Division One. So Absolutely. that says a lot after that, that double save. I mean, this, this was a strange season um, because it was the season after we'd come so close um, to promotion for the first time in 71, 72, the famous incident where everyone thought Birmingham had lost and we were promoted and it turned out to be fake news and they'd actually won and they, they eventually pipped us with a, a midweek game at Orient and they, they went up and there was this kind of crushing sense of um, deflation. So this season, 72, 73, which was my first full season as a Millwall supporter, was a was a very um, just look at the results of the season. I mean, a lot of losses. There was a very real sense of um, after the Lord Mayor's show that you know this this was a, this was a tough gig. But um, this game here at Everton, which was in February 1973, on a very muddy day in Liverpool, 
um, was a real standout game. Um, a goal for Harry Cripps. Um, and it's interesting to see Cripps plays again another legendary figure at the club and you don't and yet he only exists in still photos generally but to see him play is is interesting I mean I I have vague memories of Crips I mean as I say I was only 11 12 when I started going and this this was the year up the first year so I can remember him um but I don't remember that much of him but so it's interesting to see this footage for me too because there he is he was quite a portly chap wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Well, wasn't he 31 at the time? So he clearly had a few few beers over the years by then. Millwall veteran. Well, see, see, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was just going to touch on that. Where uh, as, as a near 34 year old who doesn't feel 34, to be a commentator to go hear a veteran at 31, I felt like uh, I felt a little bit insulted. <laughs> <laughs> what forty years later? Players looked older back then, um, but that was a that was a free kick. If memory serves, I'm not watching the, the footage, but that was a a chip from a free kick just outside the the D. Um, Eamon Dunphy, if I remember rightly, Michael took it, and mm-hmm. Harry caught it with like a flick header into the into the left side of the goal and put us a goal up against um, Everton, the first division side at the time, um, and have been champions, I think. A couple of years before, um, so this was a major, major. Scale. And al- and also as well, yeah. Al- also as well, if you uh, if you listen if you listen to the commentary back, like listeners who are listening now, I believe when Crip scores, I think their contact goes like it's his fifth goal for the season, and and it and it's rare in in an era when I mean I'm only going by presumption. Obviously, I wasn't there at the time, but you know everyone's banging on about attacking fullbacks these days, and these were the days when defenders were defenders. So for a fullback to get five goals at this point isn't a bad tally. I don't no. think he was. A, he was a massive character, Harry Cripps. I mean, as I say, I only have about a, a year's worth of memory of him as a Millwall player because he was very much at the end of his career, and I was just starting. So there was just a very, very slight overlap. Um, but I remember he would do. He would. He would. He would um, incur the the humour of the crowd. He would. Um, I remember one incident. I was I was in the seats over on the um, uh, in the, the, the seating stand there, and. We were awarded a free kick, and the referee's attention was then drawn to the the kind of it was in our own half down near our own um, penalty area, and the, the referee's attention, linesman's attention, were drawn forwards. So Cripps was placing the ball to take the free kick, and would just waddle waddle forwards by about five yards with whilst holding the ball and bent over, you know, like um like a kind of a comedy act almost. You know, he's kind of waddled forward and stole about five yards without anyone actually noticing other than the crowd who rolled up laughing because that was the kind of thing he would do. I'm sure there's other listeners with, with funny stories. And he, he, he had this kind of um, rapport with the crowd. I mean, he's, he's a legend for a reason. Um, I'm just watching the, the game at the moment. I, mean, I think um, uh, Kitchen has just gone down rolling around in the mud of the song. It looks like something out of the First World War. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Howard Kendall is walking off clutching his, his groin. I think someone's done him in the balls there, basically. So... Men were men in these days. This was this was a tough, tough era to play the game. Everyone covered in mud. I think this is the goal actually. You were saying though, Nick. Um, I was saying you were saying about like um, how this was an era when when sort of Millwall struggled. I mean, look when when I was looking back on those couple of years. Um, I think it was like an eleventh and twelfth or tenth and eleventh. But those were times when if you actually looked at the league table, being mid-table, you weren't actually too far away from the drop because they, 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 this was the sort of pre-three points for a win, wasn't it? Yeah, two points. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Yes. You know, we're in the, the week of Alf Wood passing away and he will play a crucial part in this game. Um, 
his basically this season, 72, 73, we struggled for the first half of the season. Where Derek Posse, who was our one of our the mainstay of our attack the previous season, was unsettled. I think he wanted to play at a higher level. He went to Crystal Palace in the end, shockingly. Um, and would have been signed um, as his strike partner because um, previous season had been Barry Bridges. Uh, he left, uh, but we, I think, were looking, Fen, Benny Fenton was the manager. who's looking to team up Alf Wood with Derek Posse up front. And that would have been a major, major strike partnership because, as you can see in this Everton game later on, Crips has just scored on my screen here, but Wood was a finisher and an immensely brave striker. He would put his head in where it hurt, you know, um, often bandaged, often um, covered in mud. He was not a player that ever gave you less than 100%. It was a real fan favourite at the den. Um, he was only with us for a couple of years, but he left an indelible mark on everyone's memory. And so, you know, I know he's not been well in the last few years, so the news, I think, probably didn't come as a huge surprise. Um, but it was still it still leaves a, a hole because he was a major figure in Millwall history. Um, and the, but just to go back to the league table, we struggled in the first half of the season. I think when Posse left, Perhaps a cloud was lifted from the squad, and it was Alfred's goals that really fired us up the table. We finished, if memory serves, and I'm just looking at my notes. I think we, we finished uh, 11th after a, a flirtation with relegation that year. But yeah, mud, sweat, and tears is my uh, and tears of joy is my my take on that famous away win at Everton, um, which looks a very different ground. I mean, the, the modern Goodison is. Um, it's interesting to see these old old footages because modern modern grounds look kind of um, they, look, they look kind of um, pristine, and yet somehow this this has a character. And it's, it's a, I mean, I'm just watching the goalkeeper taking a goal kick, but uh, King, and it's, it's it's a sea of mud in the penalty area. You know, you have to you could, you, you could you almost feel like you could disappear into it and not come out. You know, I like the uh, the photographers who look like they're sunbathing. They're laying down in the mud to get the photos. <laughs> Um, and you compare that, and you compare that to these days with the um, sort of uh, cameras with their sort of technology that you can press a button from the stand and it will take a picture. Absolutely. These guys really had to get laying down on the floor to take photos. And uh, I believe, I mean, I've not got it on, on at the moment, but behind the goal there seems to be like a sort of circular area where yeah. the press sort of obviously. I'm presuming that's where the press sat. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a peculiar ground in that way. That's part of the design of Goodison. I'm just, I'm just looking at the Alfwood goal at the moment. There was a run down the right. I think that's um I think that's that Alder that's put the ball in. It might be Bolland, Bolland, sorry, who's put the ball in from the right and that's um onto the head of Alfwood who buried it. And that was a typical Alfwood goal. Um it was the kind of epitome of a of a brave striker. Um but as you say there was this it was a peculiar looking ground in some ways, Goodison Park. Um what struck me in this game and I suppose the one previously that there's just no stewards. Uh, you're so you kind of get accustomed <laughs> to seeing sort of a line of stewards, stewards like between the it yeah, was between the uh, it was coppers, Mike. Uh, coppers. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe they're not as visible because the police are actually wearing black rather than these, uh, you know, fluorescent jackets. But um, it just looks like it's just the uh, the players and the and the crowd, really. No, you're right. There were no stewards. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> there were no stewards. There was the, the staff at a football match where the blokes on the turnstiles, um, whoever was selling the programmes, um, used to have some kids that were seconded to walk around the side of the pitch with a tray like you might get at the cinema with um, 
I can't remember what the slogan was. It's enjoy yourself with our, our array of fine array of sweeties or something like that, you know, which was um, too. See, we should bring that back at the den. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Buy some, some, some um, lukewarm um, orange squash and a, and a wagon wheel. Um, but, and then there were coppers. Coppers, coppers were the, that was, that was how older was kept in football matches back then. It's the impression, I mean, it's one of the interesting things I wanted to do this, just get your impressions as modern fans of the modern era, mm. what you made of it, because that's really what it was. It was much more yeah. raw, you know, um, there we are. So a famous win, Everton nil, Millwall 2. I'm, I'm going to read out the team for that day, if you'll indulge me, chaps, because it's like an iconic uh, 11. Brian King and Gold, Brian Brown and Harry Cripps in the fullback. I think Cripps was right side and Brown was, no, but that was a way around Brown on the right, Cripps on the left. Dorney, Alan Dorney and Barry Kitchener in central defence. Dennis Burnett, who could double up as a midfield stroke defensive, um, sometimes would play in, in the central defence, more midfield. Steve Brown was a, a winger um, and in the Millwall way would often draw some, some venom his way uh, People didn't seem to like Steve Brown, where, where I sat and stood. But I, and I never quite fathomed that. He seemed quite talented, but <clears throat> he's one of those players. Um, there's nothing new. Whatever you see now went on then, too. Um, Gordon Bolland, who had a fantastic Afro-style haircut. I don't know if you've ever seen that, the, the images of Gordon Bolland. But he had, I don't know how he had it done. It had to be moulded in, um, in the hairdresser somehow. Alf Wood, RIP, we've mentioned. Eamon Dunphy was an immensely talented midfielder who played for Manchester United and um, the Republic of Ireland, I think. He, he, was one of, he was our international at the time. And then winger Dougie Alder, um, who was very skillful and he can be seen in the, um, the Carlisle footage. He had a very skillful um, touch on the wing. Um, and that's an iconic Mill 11 of the early 70s. So... Thank you for that, Michael Avery. That's a great choice. But we're going to move along. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I'm going to come to your choice, Mike, which was... Um, so the goal fest. The goal yeah. fest. Great game. Great game. Millwall 4, Luton Town 2 in the second division in November 1976. And I'm going to get this one on YouTube whilst I rabbit away because I was quick, there that day. Quick one. Before you start, Nick, um, yeah. firstly, I found interesting from the coverage is that it says the place where the referee's from. So I think we have fella from Salisbury. I mean, yeah. if anyone cares about the referee that much, <laughs> where he's actually from, Tony Glasson is his name. Um, and then also it announces the commentary. I think it's being shown live in Scandinavia. Yes. Um, which I don't know. I, I found that quite odd. Sort of imagining the Swede in a hut in the middle of a forest, <laughs> Swedish for watching Millwall against Luton. It just, I don't know. It seemed quite strange to me. It was. Um, we, we have um, quite a Scandinavian following. Um, you'll often well, see. Well, we do. Yeah. See, I mean, it's, it stems from these days. They uh, the TV mm. back then would be shown live because you couldn't show live television. This was pre-modern um, era. The only live games you ever got were the FA Cup final. England versus Scotland, and then any international tournaments and the Euro the European Cup finals. It was otherwise it was all um, highlights. <clears throat> but Scandinavia could take our our television feeds live. So, for example, this this um, footage that we've got here um, is the big match, and they I think they had a deal with Scandinavian television to show it live. So yeah, <laughs> you'd often have Swedish television following. Um, Millwall, you know, the same for when they covered Charlton and um, yeah. all the other clubs. But we, we, we developed a following out there. I mean, the other interesting thing, just to, before we roll with the footage, is um, um, the fact that there, there was no TV gantry at the Den. So whenever they put the cameras on, whether they wanted to show a game, which would be on the uh, Sunday afternoon highlights show, you had to erect a scaffold, basically, to to put the, the cameras up and it was always on the halfway line. She had this kind of impromptu scaffold erection um, on, on the halfway line. Um, and Brian Moore, who <laughs> was, was a leading um, sportscaster, he, he covered the, the World Cups and flew to um, the European Cup finals, you know. It was, it was, a, it was a major figure. But he had to walk basically from uh, along the, the back um, path along the halfway line, down along the terracing, and then clamber up a ladder up onto near the roof of the halfway line terracing. Um, and he'd run a, run a actually, gauntlet, um, you know. Sorry, yeah, there's actually a shot of that that gantry. Well, I say gantry, that's a bit uh, polite <laughs> um, of, of it at the start of this film. Um, and it looked like if there was going to be a surge in the crowd, it looks flimsy, that thing. <laughs> it was it, very it, it, flimsy. <laughs> and you can imagine the temptation. I mean, they've got some netting around the side of it. I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> Imagine the temptation, Michael, of blokes climbing up on that to, to <laughs> let Brian Moore know what they... They thought of him and to shake it as well. Well, luckily for Brian Moore, he was always so well behaved, so he didn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> I, I remember people. Get, I mean, I, I've never I always thought he gave, gave us a fairly good shout on television. He, you know, we, we, ITV were the only ones that ever covered us. You never got the BBC there. Imagine that they, in my time, never went there, other than for the FA Cup game against Ipswich, which turned into a riot. So um, they they always held us, I think, it, with disdain, you know, at arm's length, but. The ITV London show, which was the big match, um, fairly regular visitors, and a lot of this YouTube footage from the 70s is, is from the big match. But um, I remember Brian Moore getting badly abused, and I don't know why, it was almost irrational. I think it's just like normal irrational hatred that sometimes arises, you know, um, as it does now, it did then too. So um, again, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, I mean, the, the referee, you're right, Mike Salisbury, 
Um, it used to be a thing that you, you got to know the referee, where he came from, what he did for a living, because um, they were just the um, just paid a relatively low match fee, whereas now I think they're professionals, aren't they? Across the, uh, the top. Yeah, it's only been the last couple of years. Uh, it's only been a couple, the last couple of years. Be a, the referees have been professional, isn't it? They've always been sort of like mm. fit, sort of businessmen or um, sort yeah. of like lawyers or whatever it is who could do, who, who could probably run a half marathon at a half decent pace. But that was always the argument that referees could never keep up with professional sportsmen. So that's making professional, isn't it? Great flappy collars on their jackets they used to wear as well, like a as a goal there for Luton from distance. So those are great white flappy collars that um, they, they look like um, they, they should be, um, I don't know, running Henley Regatta or something like that, referees in those in those times. Um, early early impression now, I don't know if you've got any notes on it, Mike, but uh, Ray Evans, yeah. number two, um, was a loan, no, he signed for us as a great player from Spurs um, and he was the architect of many goals. Uh, Barry Kitchen has just scored a great goal on as I'm as I'm as I'm talking. Um, a rare one with his feet, so I understand. Um, but it's an absolute beauty from a central defender. <laughs> yeah, um, he was actually quite a skillful player, uh, Kitch, and I mean he's blasted that over the top of the like a dipping shot over the top of the goalkeeper um, to to equalise. We've got a goal down early to to Luton, um, but he would go on odd dribbles. I remember seeing one game. He, he practically ran from. Um, not regularly, not often, but when it happened, it was a cause for huge, huge um, support and, 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 you know, roaring with laughter because Kitch had gone on a dribble forwards and he would run, I mean, he almost went goal to goal once, um, but missed his final shot. And um, he, he actually had a touch of skill to him. There's a, a, a black player, Trevor Lee, number seven, the, 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 the great 70s Afro, um, great player. He came in with Phil Walker, I think you're going to, mention Mike. Um, yeah. I came as a as a as a twosome um signed by Gordon Jago, who was the manager at this era in this era. Very, very skillful winger. Um I'll tell you what, I'm not sure where we are at the moment. But um but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'm not sure what happened then or if that support would be around in these days with this pandemic going on, but someone's just scored and threw Lou Roll on the pitch. <laughs> that used to be a thing. It used to be a thing. You throw a toilet roll on a pitch, um, or if you could steal them um, from on London transport buses back in those times, the the conductors would have like long rolls of ticket roll, and they they have a pile of them in their little cubby hole on the bus. And if you could nick some of those, you could throw them on the pitch at, at football. But toilet roll was the other option. Izal, these the school um, kind of uh, greaseproof paper style, where there was a particular favourite. Um, there was a stonewall penalty there. I think you mentioned this. <laughs> I burst out laughing when I watched that because I just thought, I don't think he even got booked. And I think that would have been about three red cards and probably a GBH <laughs> charge um, in today's one. It was two feet hacked down last man. I mean, it was, yeah, I was just nowhere near the And ball. did you, did you um, get the, um, yeah. the penalty take home to dig a hole in the mud to put the ball in to, to get it to sit? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's almost like a golf tee or something, just trying to make sure it settles down. But um, yeah, that penalty was just cracking. Um, what, was he, what was he thinking? It was just, just sure the replay was. now. I just no, <laughs> nowhere near the cloud. I didn't catch actually who made the tackle, but um, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to actually. I might, might watch it again now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. watch that penalty again. Tony Hazel was maybe the other centre half. Ha- Hazel, Hazel was Hazel? lumber. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Here, here it comes. Um, is that is that Trevor Lee Has done that? No, it's Phil Walker. I think I think it was Walker. I think uh, the footage is so. Um, 
Um, so VHS, hard to tell actually who that was. It's hard to tell whether it's a white bloke or a black bloke, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how grainy it is, yeah. <laughs> it might be Hazel because he was quite dusky yeah. as well. So anyway, um, we'll, we'll move swiftly along there. But a penalty was conceded and um, buried by the by the Luton player. That made it two each. Um, it was a great game. Um, and Luton wore this kind of um, continental style orange and... Uh, blue kit, like a Dutch style kit with a white stripe down. It's quite distinctive. They were known for distinctive kits back in those days, Luton Town. Um, but that was two each. And then we've, we've been close. Phil Walker um, just put a header just wide uh, from a move, you know, a breakout down the other. And he was a very skillful player, Phil Walker. Um, signed with um, Trevor Lee in the, in the yeah. mid-70s from, from somewhere. Is it Tootie? I think he played for Tooting and Mitchum and, and um, Jago made a, a double signing of his two non-league players. I mean, again, you wouldn't do that now, would you? You know, sign two guys from the same non-league no, absolutely side. not. And they've gone straight in the first team and made an impact. Oh, there he is, uh, Phil yeah. Walker, went it wide. Um, very skillful player, Phil Walker. Um, mm, but I think he got two assists and a goal in this game. So I did give him my man of the match, although I'm unsure if it was him that gave away the penalty. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, he had a cracking game and the, a lot of the highlights of focus around him involved yeah. in most moves, attacking moves anyway. Yeah, it's um, an interesting kit detail point for any, any listeners who do want to watch this. Is um, This was a great kit. Um, we had like a, like a V um, collar with, a, with a, a large white lion on the um, on, on the on the chest, um, but the, the long sleeve version had a different collar to the uh, to the um, short sleeve version. So um, it's worth a look because we've it, it got like a rugby kind of um, collar on the long sleeve versions and a um, like a kind of a polo shirt look, I suppose, on the on the. Um, on the short sleeve version. So anyway, it's a little minor detail. And Phil's just hit the crossbar. I'm, I'm not sure in. about you, uh, you as well, Nick. And uh, I know it's a bit before our time, Mike, but it's similar sort of thing. But you know, when you watch like olden TV and you look at the old adverts, we did it recently, Nick, yeah. with the uh, semi-final watch along. You're looking at the advertisement boardings and there's there's a Woolworths there, there's yeah. a Wranglers and there was Pontins before Pontins was a shithole. <laughs> And Luxor TV and Hi-Fi. I mean, whatever became a Luxor TV. Uh, we just got a gold in front. I mean, that was a, that was a poking from from Phil Walker. And I don't know if you're picking up on this seventies detail, chaps. The pitch invasion. Kids running on the pitch to yeah celebrate. I with noticed their... that. <laughs> yeah, is that was that every game? Or I mean, I love yeah, one of my favourite things about watching some of the old footage is is that surge down though, which happens just as we go ahead three two. Um, it just it just looks incredible, doesn't it? You know, yeah. the crowd shots yeah. and surge yeah. down. It's it is. Mm. It's well, apparently, um, apparently, Phil Walker said after the game um, when they gave him man the match, they said, "What do you think of the crowd reaction?" He said, "He uh, they ruined it for me." <laughs> <laughs> and a last minute, last minute goal. That's just John Seisman. I'm going to have to check the um, the uh, Mill history because he just put it away. I think that made it four two. I'm just going to check the score there whilst we whilst we fill in, chaps. Um, seven, yeah, seven, it was Seisman, I think, the last Seisman, who was a great, great yeah. striker. Um, yeah. So that was our good, second. Good shot on the turn. It was. Mm. Uh, these were good days. Um, we'd, we'd come up from the third division the previous season. We got promoted in 75, 76. So 76, 77 was a, um, was a good time to be a Millwall fan. We'd beaten Chelsea at home, which is also footage well worth checking out if you like this kind of stuff uh, listeners there's, there's a great 
Um, big match episode where we beat Chelsea 3-0 at the Den. Um, wonderful, wonderful day. Um, similar kind of the madhouse kind of um, quality that you get. 21,000 yeah. in the old ground that day. Um, but this was this was our second 4-2 when we were beaten Hera for the, the couple of weeks before 4-2 at home and followed it up with this TV win over Luton. Just 10,000 in the Den um, that day. Um, so, yeah, Kitchener was Walker and Seasman. Yeah, there's a couple. One player who I just could not find anything online about was a guy called Chris Harris who played this game. And I think he only made three appearances that season, but he played in this game. Ever heard of him, Nick? Remember him? Chris I, I couldn't Harris. find no um, Wikipedia page, nothing. Um, so it must have been a short spell. Yeah, it must. I think he good... got the assist for the third goal actually. Because our regular striker there was a guy called Phil Summerill. Um, mm who was not prolific um, and was in and out of the sides. Um, he may have been injured for this one. That would be the only reason I would think that we signed Chris Harris. I, I remember the name, but I'm going to look at him whilst I'm talking. So I can't remember much about him at all. Um, and this was one of the, one of the great kind of um, televised mill performances. So he's coming from Hastings United. He played three times for us. Um, three starts. That's it. No goals. Mm. Played in this 4-2 televised win and then disappeared. So, no. I mean, I, I generally don't remember him. Um, mm. Phil Summerill was a regular and he, he, he was a frustrating striker because he, he missed as many as he, um, as he scored. The Lee Gregory style, you know, I think of the 1970s Lee Gregory. Um, but Chris Harris, no. That's, 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 um, yeah. I wondered if you, yeah, because I couldn't find anything about him. The only other funny, I suppose, quip that I've sort of found out was um, Dave Donaldson, who was playing right back. Obviously, had quite quite a long spell, a few seasons at Millwall anyway. Good play. Um, and, um, yeah, obviously, you only had one sub. Um, and he went in goal three times during his spell uh, at Millwall. Obviously, the goalkeeper must have got injured or sent off, which I found quite, quite strange as well, because in today's world, um, it's such a rare occurrence that an outfield player goes in goal. You know, I think we had Kyle Walker for Man City, was it last year? But it's so sort of rare and almost a sort of humorous occasion. But, you know, one player was <laughs> in goal three times, an outfield player in goal, which I found quite interesting as well. You don't see it very often anymore. No. You've got the era of the um, more, A, more subs are permitted. You've got the idea of a specialist goalkeeper on the subs bench. I think. I, I don't know. Maybe Michael, you might know. Um, is, is there is there provision for a goalkeeping substitution separate to any other outfield substitution, or is, are they just if once you've played your three subs, is that it? You know, if your goalkeeper gets injured, then somebody else has got to take the um, take the uh, take the gloves. A bit like Carl Walker, I guess. Maybe that's how he came mm. to, to find himself in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, un- unless unless I've missed it recently, and they've decided to make a new rule for when a. Uh, for when football resumes again, no, it's um, it's always the it's always the free subs, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, um, who, who it, it was a uh, Neil Warnock never used to play have a sub keeper, did he? No, no, I mean, yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, you, you do take a chance. I mean, you know, thinking back to the start of this season when uh, Frankie Fielding went out injured and Bielkowski came in and never, never left us since. You know, um, you, you, it was a thing you used to get with an era of one subs. I mean, you're right, Mike. Um, it, it was a thing. I remember famously Bobby Moore, World Cup winning Bobby Moore, going in goal for West Ham. I think that was in a um, a, a League Cup semi final up against Stoke um, in a semi final, and he had to go in goal. Um, but Donaldson was was our go to man for um, 
the goalkeeper, <laughs> goalkeeping substitutions. I mean, the, the goalkeeper this season alternated between Ray Goddard, Brian King had left us by this stage and uh, gone to Coventry. So we alternated between Ray, Ray Goddard and Nicky Johns, who are both good goalkeepers. We've, we've never really, with odd occasions, we've never really been badly off for goalkeepers across Millwall, Millwall life and Millwall history. Do you know what? Do you know on on the subject of a goalkeeping substitutes? Mm. One thing, and this is slightly off topic, and I do apologise. We are in lockdown, so I'm thinking about other things as well. But um, why take three goalkeepers for a World Cup or a Euros? Um, if you're if you're only gonna if you're only gonna play what three group games and knockout if it's a World Cup a knockout game quarter final semi final and a final which would then be what's that seven games? Yeah, games or whatever it is. It's, it's less than ten games. Why take three goalkeepers? Uh, well, uh, yeah, because I'm sure as well, Michael, that you, if someone does get injured, you could there is a reserve player list as well. Because we've had that before with England. Someone's got injured, and then the reserve player comes into the squad. So you, you're right. It does seem strange. And if you ever got to that point where, for some reason, you didn't have any goalkeepers, you surely would have one on reserve that could then replace someone in the squad. So it's yeah. an interesting point. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I never know if there's a. I, I might invent this stuff. I find I invent a lot of stuff in my head these days and make it the truth. You know, um, I always had this idea that there's special provision for goalkeeping position, being a specialist position. Um, but I, you take three, I suppose. If one gets injured, you still got your, your your first choice and one sitting on the bench. I suppose would be the the answer. But um, no, it's. Um, but having but having a reserve keeper is your replacement in case your first one gets done. Anyway. Yeah, no, no point. I'm point. thinking too much about this. Point taken. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't have an answer, but um, maybe maybe listeners do let us know. Luke, Luke Steele is the answer. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Luke, Luke Steele with his backpack still by the door in case we all need him. <laughs> so this is great footage Mike well chosen mate this is wonderful stuff um, another time another place it's um, adverts for jeans and Woolworths and uh, TV rental companies and, and alcohol and everything that you know you want out of life really around the side of the pitch a sea of mud and players that look like they might be in the pub just after the end of the game so um, these were the days as they say um, Mill for Luton too. Thank you very much, chaps. That's that's been a real journey down memory lane for me. This is um, this is wonderful stuff. Real, um, it brings to life, um, you know, the wonderful, wonderful stadium that was Coldwell Lane. Perhaps we can do this for one in the eighties. Um, yeah, enjoy, enjoyed that, Nick. It's very rare that I look back in that much detail. Um, you know, you hear about players and how great they were, but actually to look into individual players' careers and watch some rather interesting footage. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. I think it's, I mean, just to, just to close out, I mean, you, know, you, you made a good point. Where, where were the stewards? There were no stewards. The deal really was you turned up at the turn, turnstile on the day you paid and you basically stood on some terracing. <laughs> and if a fight broke out, then the coppers might or might not get to it. That, that, was, how it, that was how it was. Um, this was the era that I suppose, um, you know, would come to its... Um, it's, it's end with the in the late eighties with the uh, you know the tragedies that, that befell the game in the from the eighties onwards, um, but you can still see it in its um, in its pomp here, and um, it's a great insight into a time that's gone past. Um, Michael, Avery, Mike Hayden, big thank you to you both for sharing the nostalgia trip with me. Um, 
we'll see if we can put together another show another day for the 80s and we'll, we'll do another we'll do another effort like this so big thank you to you both for coming on the show cheers Nick and no problem mate so bye for now Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things Millwall and the best messages will be read out on air Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.